Reva again? Reva always. It's been long enough. Give Patty a call. She's a good woman. I don't drink coffee much. I don't think she does either. <laughs> like she said, ain't nothing wrong with that. But I'm ready, I'm ready. She'll want a cup of something hot and dark sooner or later, Mr. Bulletproof. <laughs> you go with the nicknames, Pop. <laughs> you said your rebound chick took a shotgun at point-blank range, pointed it under your chin, and pulled the trigger. I still get the occasional headache. Not a problem for you, power man. <laughs> I love it when you do stuff like that. <laughs> you should be out there helping people, that's all. Like them other fellas downtown. Reaper used to say the same thing. Yeah, well, she was right. Panels to Pixels, Luke Cage, Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2. Hey everybody, welcome to the show, I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And we're starting off our new view of Luke Cage, Netflix, Season 1, the first episode, which would be uh, A Moment of Truth. You want to take us away? Absolutely. And I, I have to – I, I got to say something first. And so a little bit of spoilers if you have not uh, – if you're like me and you have not watched like every single Netflix MCU show, fast forward about 20 seconds. Because I'm going to say something that that bugged me and it took me a bit to get through it. So I'll give you a second. These things are not in order. Like I don't have the order in my head straight. So I had to look it up to understand that it goes like Daredevil Season 1, Jessica Jones Season 1, Daredevil Season 2, Luke Cage Season 1, then The Punisher, then Defenders. Like it's like a whole weird or I don't know. I, I got lost in it. And so that's my my caveat to some of my my things of not understanding in here so well yeah you you never really got to see them as they were coming out so, right you know i guess i should have just gave you a racetrack of how to watch them in, in the beginning but yeah th there are cool these are cool seasons and they're cool episodes yeah. and they yeah. do line up and they do meet up at defenders Right, is but yeah, and that's where I got confused was was whether what where Defenders fits in and all this. So yeah, um, but uh, but so okay. So anyway, moment of truth, season one, Luke Cage, episode one. Uh, again, I have an admission to make. When this episode started, I I kind of thought it was a flashback because to me, Luke Cage looked looked like he was smaller than he did in Jessica Jones. Like he looked like he hadn't put on 
all the muscle yet. And I, I think it was maybe just the, the costuming because they had him in that jumpsuit at the beginning, you know, uh, and then later he puts on that jacket. So you kind of you kind of see, oh, OK, he is he is the same size or similar in size. So uh, but through dialogue, we, we find out that it isn't a flashback because they're talking about Reva's death. Uh, they're talking about him just coming out of this relationship with uh, we assume is the Jessica Jones relationship. We find out that that Luke did he did did do some time in prison at some point, and I guess that's covered in one of the other Netflix shows that we may or may not do at some time. But we're gonna get it looks like we're gonna get flashbacks of these of this prison experience that he had throughout. Uh, but now he's a fugitive, and they didn't really mention that in Jessica Jones. I don't remember them saying anything about him. I mean, I know like he said the bar wasn't in his name and he didn't really want to talk to the cops. So, you know, maybe we had hints of it that he was some kind of a fugitive, but it it really wasn't made clear to me anyway in in Jessica Jones. Um, he's working two jobs. Uh, he's still not making much money. Apparently the bad guy, uh, in this one is, is a, a guy called Cottonmouth, And there's another one called Diamondback who we haven't met yet, or we don't think we've met yet. I have my suspicions, but I'll get into that later. Another possible bad guy is this bribed councilwoman who seems to have some sort of ties to the criminal organization. We get a flashback that looks like, again, it looks like this prison scene when, when, uh, Luke Cage has this dream of of beating up somebody or getting beat up by somebody in in prison. We see Reva telling him kind of how to handle being in prison. And this episode really sets up all of our characters for the rest of the season. And we we see Luke kind of use his powers right there at the end when he has that that bar fight. So it's really an interesting take on on the character we're, we're going to learn a lot more about him and kind of how his he works so yeah definitely did i miss anything no no you got it, it it's pretty much opening up a new story completely mm-hmm. on this character and his world and his family and his neighborhood and yeah that's what i really appreciated about this as well as the music the culture and everything because everything is based within harlem and, right. You know, that that's not something that anybody really delves into, you know, you know, being a black predominant community and then uh, Luke going back to those roots and then uh, feeling a bit of community, family and everything mm-hmm. else. Uh, that's what I really appreciated about this. Uh, this whole yeah. series. OK, well, I guess that brings us to our top five. Yeah. Sweet Christmas. You want to start us off? Sure. Uh, my first first one is, is uh, again, we hear them talk about the incident uh, again, and except for the name Tony Stark, uh, again, just like in Jessica Jones, we had no actual superhero name is mentioned. They say uh, the, the old guy with the shield, the big green monster, not Fenway, you know, which I yeah. thought was was pretty, uh, pretty funny. Uh, they do mention Hammer Industries and Justin Hammer, which I remember is that's the rival kind of to Tony Stark in the in the kind of technology uh, kind of area. So that's that's another. But again, there's just not these direct meanings, these direct uh, references to the the other superheroes, which I, I find kind of odd. Uh, I don't know if it's a copyright thing or if it's just a choice the I, writers I have made. I think it's a choice. I, okay. I th- yeah, because, uh, you know, Marvel has the utmost say, as well as Disney, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you would think with these uh, characters and everything, they will eventually unfold that. It might be a, it might have been a, a rights thing because this series, uh, season one, was done about maybe three or four years ago. Okay. And, uh, you know, Disney slash Marvel is in the process of trying to accumulate all this. So yeah. they could do their own app and put these shows on their own. So we'll we'll okay. we'll see what's going on. Yeah. But uh you know, I appreciated that too because you, even though it was through kind of descriptive format that they uh you know, they, they described the incident, but that's something that they use in Marvel all the time. Even on Agents mm-hmm. of Shield, they called it the incident. And right. I, I just love that whole uh scene where he's walking past and the guy's like, I got Blu-rays, I got DVDs of the incident, yeah. man. You got that guy in the iron. You got that big green guy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it, it, it kind of just shows that they're showing props to the the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. as well as just being, you know, because everything is centered around New York at this point. And that was a major New York incident. So, mm-hmm. and we have that. And as well as they actually point out with uh, Hammer Industries, you know, that was in Iron Man 2. And right. Iron Man 2 was not really looked at highly. And I enjoyed it. I loved it, mainly for the fact that, you know, that that this, it's centered around the whole uh, World's Fair from 68, mm-hmm. 67, 68. And they uh, and I love that. And I've gone down to uh, Irving Meadows and 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 gone down to the actual park and everything. And I love it. it it's got so much history. But I'm glad that they, they actually used that in in that movie. But they uh, you know a lot of people don't look at Iron Man two as highly as yeah. I do. Everybody yeah. thinks about it and they laugh at it. But I thought it had it, it's good moments. It's it's been a long time since I've watched that one. So that is that the Mickey the one with Mickey Rourke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey Rourke being his his most Mickey Rourkeish in <laughs> just <laughs> uh, so very good. Well, what's your number five? Uh, my number five would be uh, finding out Luke is a con and a fugitive. Uh, we didn't know that beforehand, really. Um, you know, he he's pretty much hiding out in Harlem where he grew up. And uh, he is very well known amongst the people in the neighborhood. They all love him, uh, except for Genghis Khani. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll go into that a little later. But, you know, and the fact that, you know, he's reveled and people like him as a person. And uh, apparently he's a ladies' man. Well, yeah. Well, you bring that up, and it's interesting. Again, he has a lot of interaction. Um, Maybe not as much in this first episode, but definitely in the second episode, he has some interaction with police personnel, and none of them seem to even like bat an eyelash at his presence. So either he, his name is different, or his appearance is different, or I don't, I don't know. That's I, I was, I was really struggling, and that took me a little bit, not a lot, a little bit out of it. Just the fact that, like you said, they didn't even mention it in Jessica Jones, or, or as far as I can remember, and. Uh, he's having these interactions with police officers who you would think if he's an actual fugitive, they would want to do something about that. You know, I, I it, it was a little confusing to me and maybe we'll get that fleshed out more as the, the season goes along. Yeah. 
And, and my number four is, is it's a real simple one. I just I guess that that woman was a cop. As soon as he walked outside, <laughs> as soon as he walked outside, and she's like on her phone trying to light a cigarette and, and just kind of standing there, standing around. I'm like, yeah, she's a cop. I'm like, <laughs> and uh, uh, and then of course they go home together, and she just doesn't tell him. Well, she kind of vaguely says that she's an auditor, you know. After he he coaxes it out of her, and I'm like, no, she's a cop. She's a cop. She's a cop. And then of course the very next scene, we see her in the. Uh, in the police station, so I, I was I was glad that that, that my uh, my instincts paid off on that one. Yeah, my number four would be it's a small area of New York where everyone knows everyone. Like I said before, you know, Luke is liked amongst everybody in his neighborhood. People take care of him, you know. And I said, except Genghis Khani, because <laughs> his rent is late and he gets paid in cash by pops. And uh, yeah, it just makes me laugh because if you look at the restaurant, it says, "Yeah, <laughs> you know those words," and I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but it was a good reference, and I, I it's like I always think of her as Genghis Khani. <laughs> right, <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, for me, it's it's that my number three is the nicknames. This Cottonmouth doesn't like his. We we get more of that in the next episode. Apparently, uh, apparently Diamondback doesn't mind his because everybody just just kind of throws it around. If uh, if it is, doesn't mention that the councilwoman has a, a nickname. Maybe she's Black Mamba. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's the the Kill Bill reference. But yeah. uh, um, I kind of my 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 sneaking suspicion, and this may be just completely off uh, because they've talked about this Cottonmouth person mm-hmm. is, um, or excuse me, Diamondback. Cottonmouth is the is the guy that doesn't like his name, Cornell uh, Stokes. They talk about this this uh, Diamondback, and I started to wonder if maybe that's the councilwoman. Maybe she's kind of behind the scenes running things, but without anybody really knowing it, and just trying to keep her her face out. And that's why it's okay to throw that name around, but not the person's actual name. Whereas with Cottonmouth, he doesn't like his name, and he he. Very much doesn't like his name, like it in the second episode. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, so all those nicknames being thrown around was, was pretty cool, and and even the fact that that pops uh, says Power Man a couple times, which is uh, in the comics. I remember from the seventies. Uh, that's actually what Luke Cage called himself was Power Man. So I thought yeah. that was that was kind of cool. That whole Power Man Iron Fist thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that leads us right into your number three, doesn't it? <clears throat> Yeah, uh, my number three, I smell a villain in that councilwoman. You know, mm-hmm. the talk she has with Cottonmouth in the club. They mention Wilson Fisk. A few villains, or is this just a setup of one big bad daddy, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. There's, there's always one big, huge villain. Right. There's always, as it always comes down to one guy. And you're, you always, you're, you're mentioning Diamondback, who we have not actually seen. Right. And Cottonmouth is pretty much the underling of that kind of criminal syndicate that's going on that the councilwoman's getting herself involved with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have that. So we know something is kind of seedy in, the, <laughs> in this town that's going on. And Luke is amongst those people. And he could smell that, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's in prison and everything. So. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting, and it looks like he's trying to help people too. Kind of like the way you know, if you look, the Punisher, Frank mm-hmm. did the same thing himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just saw my notes are messed up, but uh, I'm going to skip over something that I had in my notes and go right to. Actually, I'm not going to skip over. I'm, I'm going to say what my number two actually should be, which is uh, this Shades guy. He like 
the first time we that Luke sees him, he kind of hides his face. He tries to stay stay away from him, and so I jotted down who is this guy to Luke. But then later on, they they're face to face, and the guy doesn't even like say anything or mention anything. So I don't know if if he has some sort of connection to uh, to Luke or Luke remembers him from somewhere. But because he does mention that he did some time in Seagate as well, which apparently is the prison that Luke was in. So maybe Shades recognizes him, but he doesn't want doesn't want anyone to know. Uh, that he recognizes, just want Luke to know that he recognizes him. I, I, I'm, I'm curious. This guy has got me. Plus, I like Ray Bans, so the fact <laughs> that he's wearing Ray Bans is is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. Gets that typical Italian mafia attitude, mm-hmm. if you if you think about it. And then uh, he had that little bit of an attitude of like, oh, I'm trying to cover myself because I don't, you know, I don't want to be known. Yeah, and he's not really in the organization, but he's kind of – and we find out more about him in the second episode. But he's kind of in the organization, but he's not really in the organization. You know, he kind of – it seems like he kind of hovers around the, the, the periphery. Uh, he's there, but he's not really a member of this – of uh, Cottonmouth's kind of gang. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays in deeper into the story later. Um what was your number two? My number two would be, uh, well, Luke is, <laughs> he attracts the ladies. <laughs> you know, come on, dude. He's like, he's big, he's buff. He might be a working man. And they give him guff in the uh, in the, in the the salon for that, you know, at the barbershop. And he goes, oh, what? It's like they use the N-word, and you mentioned that a few times. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, they, he was like, because... He is who he is. You know, basically, Pops is saying it's like, you know, you would never know because he's just who he is. Uh, that kind of attitude. So he, he attracts the, the, you know, the lawyer that had her kid there. And, you know, she's being the typical mom. And like, you know, it's like, I'm going to smack you. Get out of that chair. And she goes, oh, here, Luke, here's my phone number. Goes, yeah. I'll wait until you get me a, a real business card, okay? <laughs> yeah, I love it. That was great. And and he throws the card underneath the, the, the dishwasher or the, the washing machine and Pops kind of ribs him about it. So he lifts up the washing machine and, and takes the card back out, showing – which is cool. It was a cool way of not within dialogue. It was a cool way for them to, to show us that Pops knows his powers and um, that he's not afraid to show – to use his powers around Pops. You know, so I, I thought that was kind of cool, and that whole interaction between him and the other, uh, the 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 Dante, I think it was the Dante kid uh, with the gun, who's who's trying to be all buff himself and try to hit on the the lawyer, but she doesn't have any eyes for him. She's just looking at at Luke. I thought that whole thing was was pretty funny. Yeah. So, um, let's do your number one, and then we'll do my number one because I had part of your number one fits into something that I have as well. All right, uh, my number one would be. Uh that fight in the end with Luke helping out Genghis Khani, uh, you know, um, in her restaurant, you know, it's like he just shows up and he sees something going on, gets himself involved. And then, you know, the guys try to take him, you know, Luke out, which obviously they can't, you know, he's like iron. You just hit him and you hurt yourself. And the guy fractures, you know, his, his, fist or his hand or his arm uh, you know, you see it yeah rumble. that's that's what my mine was was that that's that compound fracture man that's where the bone actually sticks out of the arm yeah. it was uh that's one thing that that uh, on kind of a side note that i i i'm doing the rewatch of lost with our our fellow 
uh, next level uh, podcastica people. Um, and uh, there's an episode where, that we just that I just watched or we just did. Uh, they just did that uh, uh, where Saeed does the uh, fingernails under the. Uh, the, yeah, bamboo under yeah. the fingernails. Yeah, and yeah, bamboo <laughs> under the fingernails. But they don't show it in Lost. But if you watch the show Twelve Monkeys, they actually show that 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 bamboo. And, and so any kind of it's interesting to see what the evolution of TV has been to oh, go geez. back and, and see Lost from like you know ten fifteen years ago. Um, yeah, fifteen sixteen years ago now oh, something like that. 10. Um, uh, almost yeah, uh, it, ten or twelve, maybe. Okay, yeah, season two, season two. So yeah, it was or season one actually. So, um, but it just is interesting to see the evolution of TV. They didn't show it then. Uh, Netflix, of course, is not ne- necessarily regular TV, but to yeah. show that bone coming out of the guy's arm was just oh, oh I just yeah. I got chills as soon as I saw that. So yeah, and and also too, you know, Luke takes a, a straight gunshot in the hand. Mm-hmm. And you see him wince a little bit too, but he continues forward. So it must have been the impact that really bothered him more than in the actual. You know, right. Well, I, we saw that we we saw that at the end of Jessica Jones when she shoots him point blank with the shotgun. You know, it doesn't it doesn't break the skin, but it does enough damage to his head that that he's out of it for a little while. So you know, he can be hurt. It's just really hard to hurt him. Um, yeah, and then it then it leads into uh, Connie showing some respect and appreciation for Luke, mm-hmm. asking him, "I want to hire you. Uh, I want to hire you. You know, she's ready to pay him." Yeah, and Luke's saying he he's got her. You know, I got your back, and he's there to protect his neighborhood, which that was part of. You know, yeah, that was an interesting turn because her husband is kind of mad at him, going, "You're just going to bring more down on us, or something like that." You know, and then. And then she says, well, I'll hire you to protect. And he's like, no, you're not going to hire me. I'm not for hire, which, again, is kind of a little nod to the comic books because he actually was a hero for hire in the comic books. You know, so it's it's kind of interesting that he, he does have that response. But, uh, yeah, for my number one, you kind of mentioned it already a little bit is is just I know it's become more commonplace here in the aughts and, and in the the the, the teens, the two thousand teens, I guess, to for the N word to be used by black people. But I, I just I just never grew up where that word was just that was not a word people spoke. Oh, you I, know? Yeah, I grew and, up with that. Okay. Yeah. Um maybe I just actually got called that a number of times. Did you? Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I just I just know that, that it just surprised me the the number of times it's it's used and uh, the in in the different situations that it's not always derogatory. Sometimes it's 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 them you know back and forth with each other and it just was it just was an it just caught me off guard that uh, that the show would would do that would do that much of it. So I'm kind of glad that it's addressed. It's one of my points for episode two as well uh, that it's kind of addressed in that episode. So yeah, um, yeah, that's a, honestly that's that's a term that's used loosely and. Um, now in suburban community of all things, but I I was if you think about it, where I grew up in Staten Island, I was in the middle of the island, but I went to school high school on the uh, waterside, which is okay. uh, near St George, and uh, I went to school with a lot of black guys. Now, mind you, 
it was a private school and you had mm-hmm. some kids who were not wealthy that their parents, you know, sweated to get the money for the kids to get a great education, just like my mm-hmm. parents did. But my parents are not wealthy, but uh, they, I had a learning disability, so they sent me out to a private Catholic boy, boys' high school. So <laughs> I, I went to school with a, a mixture of the upper tier uh, black families that had money and then mm-hmm. middle and then lower. And I was kind of like in between middle and lower uh, because my parents like worked hard to pay for my education, just like my other friends. And my friend uh, Tore, uh, you know, would constantly say this. We'd play, uh, of all things, uh, a role-playing game, uh, uh, kind of like Dungeons & Dragons, but it was for Marvel, and we did that on our lunch breaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Little, yeah, so we used to do that, and, and he would always say that to me. I'm like, I'm like dude. <laughs> he goes, you got Sicilian yeah. blood in you. I'm like, oh, it's okay. I, I guess, yeah, I guess Southern California was just different, you know. I guess because we didn't, and maybe I just didn't. I didn't. I mean, we had black people in my in my schools, but it just maybe we just didn't hang out with each other. I don't know. It was a. Uh, it just it just threw me off a little bit. It didn't not throw me off, but it just it just surprised me. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard and weird, but you know, mm-hmm. I I accept it, and I just I accept it as for who they are and how these people. You know, I'm not saying. Black people in general. It could be anybody. It could be. Mm-hmm. I, I've had that come from Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, right? And, and you know, it's kind of a loose word that's used, but it's okay. kind of been over the years, over the past thirty years, made to be more uh, ghetto slang, but okay. uh, or to be more pop culture. I hate using that term, but mm-hmm. honestly, it's kind of where you grew up, and if people are like that and that's who they are you just accept it who it is i don't use the word myself right right but uh, i i accept it when people refer to me and when they did i was like okay whatever (laughs) yeah yeah um so i had a couple of quotes that i really liked that that stood out to me was that whole conversation you're talking about his attraction the ladies attracted to him and he he's pretty suave when he's talking uh, uh to the woman at the bar and she kind of starts taking offense and then he goes no no let me explain and he says dumb men like little girls me i ponder a woman i thought that was just an interesting turn of phrase the i ponder a woman uh i thought was interesting um pops uh using the the jedi mind trick line uh <laughs> I thought was was another thing that you just don't you don't hear older people using that kind of language as much yeah. anymore. But I, you know, I guess it's it, it was it's pretty cool the time the way it the, the way he he fit in there. So yeah, definitely. And then I love pops too. Yeah, especially, he's great. Especially when he goes, she's gonna need something hot, and something <laughs> dark, Mister Bulletproof. Yeah, uh, you know, I thought that was a pretty smooth line. You know, it's like him pointing out his powers and who he is but you know <laughs> yeah yeah um anything else that we had uh, haven't mentioned yet uh not really as far as quotes but uh as far as like talk of the episode as a whole mm-hmm. uh yeah my the what i appreciate about the actual whole series is the music uh especially the music in the club and it, it shows a lot of soul and mm-hmm. I, I, it has a lot of feel of the environment and the culture. And, you know, especially that intro. The intro music <laughs> itself is almost a, a bridge of uh, that kind of jazzy, bluesy, as well as some sort of hip-hop in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just enjoy it. The show starts with the story of everyone in it. You know, Yeah, 
I really like that. I want to speak to that real quick because I, I was reading that comment on there. I, I really – I agree with you. I really – because it doesn't treat us like we're stupid. It brings us right in to these people and we, we see their relationship and we can tell. Even if we don't know all their backgrounds, we get throughout this episode, especially this first episode, we get all the connections. We get where everybody is connected. We find out that Cottonmouth is is uh, a cousin of the councilwoman. We find out uh, Pop's – uh, may or may not have been Riva's dad or Riva's. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it, but uh, we we kind of get all these connections, and we're just dropped right into the middle of the story as it's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, the 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 fulcrum. I would have to say the two fulcrums that begin this story really are uh, Luke Cage being there. I think in the second episode he says he's been back about five months. Um, so this would place it a little while after jessica jones but maybe it's the the shades character maybe the shades character was kind of that fulcrum to to light kind of light this storyline off because he comes into the picture but it's it's interesting like i said i i like when shows don't treat us like we're dumb like they have to spoon feed us everything yeah i just love and appreciate the idea of like it shows where luke is coming from his past what his virtue is the villains and what they are up to and how they're going to affect Luke within the season. Mm-hmm. So it it shows a story that's unfolding in some way, even though Luke's trying to find his bearings of where he is being, you know, like, like you were saying, after um, his encounter with Jessica Jones and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really liked the talk that, that the two detectives have about uh, Benjamin Franklin and how uh, he's he's on the $100 bill even though he's not a president and how impressive that was. And I honestly had never really even thought about it and went, you're right. There's not that many – like if we went through – I mean we don't have that many bills, but you know Benjamin Franklin is probably the only one right? that's not a president yep. who's on our money. Uh, all the rest of them were a president. At some point in their in their life, so I thought that was kind of interesting. That is impressive that that uh, that they they honor him that way. So they, they want to actually put somebody else on. Uh, what was it? The fifty dollar bill or was it the twenty dollar bill? I forget. Yeah, I don't know. Jackson's on the on the the twenty, and one of the Roosevelts is on the fifty. Yeah, is that I, right? Yeah, yeah. and oh. you know they're looking to uh, make a black woman on there, and which hmm. I you know I. I'm like more for it, you know. Do it, change it up. I don't care. Hey, hey, you know, other countries do a lot of different things with their money. They have a lot. Other countries have a lot more impressive money than than we do. Uh, so, as far as with colors and things like that. So. Yeah, as long as Canada doesn't put Justin Bieber on there, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, episode two is called Code of the Streets, and uh, we start out. I didn't realize how short this was, but uh, we start out with with Luke's got a gun to his head. Um, and then it kind of flashes us back uh, to an earlier time where Luke uh, kind of looks for Chico because I didn't mention it at the at the end of the first episode. Um, we have everybody looking for Chico. The cops are looking for Chico. The uh, the bad guys are looking for Chico. And so now Luke kind of joins in on that uh, that looking for for Chico. And it's because Pops insisted it to insisted he do that, and and because Pops knew Chico's father. And and even when Luke has that conversation with Chico, he he kind of hates to be in the shadow of his father. It seems like so. It seems like his father must have been some kind of an honorable kind of man. And now because he's turned to this kind of life of crime, it's disappointed a lot of people. Um, the councilwoman, we find out that she's got a lot more involved in this situation. She's wanting the money that was stolen. She's uh, 
talking to uh, Cottonmouth, and uh, it, sometimes she gets a little I don't not bossy, but a little loud with Cottonmouth. Um, <laughs> But uh, Luke finds Chico rather quickly, and uh, he makes that comment to Chico. He says, if I was able to find you just in a few hours for free, imagine how, how easy it'll be for Cottonmouth, who's paying people, to find you. Um, so Chico shows up at the barbershop. Uh, the police show up at the barbershop. Everybody <laughs> comes to the barbershop at different times uh, during this during this episode. It, and it's it's I, I've got to mention in my notes later, but Pops keeps calling it Switzerland, which I thought was interesting, and um, we'll probably get more into that as we as we progress. But uh, the, you know, the police come to the po- the the, the barbershop, and uh, Luke initially Luke kind of hides out in the back with Chico, but then when he realizes who the woman is, he steps out. And she sees him, and uh, then Tone, who is kind of the right hand man of of Cottonmouth, um, finds out that uh, through Shades, not Shades, through Turk, uh, this guy Turk, who I had to go back and look because I said he looks familiar. That name is familiar. That's the guy who was selling the guns to Frank in the Punisher. So I don't know if we actually had that that. Uh, scene or maybe it wasn't filmed but he is credited with being in the punisher season one so i thought that was that was interesting so that that character is kind of running because he does mention the fact that he says i'm going back to um uptown or or wherever he said he's going or going back to hell's kitchen he said i'm gonna go back to hell's kitchen because i can't i don't like it here in harlem so i thought that was that was interesting i don't know a lot about the boroughs you know more about the boroughs than i do but so Tone shows up at the barbershop. Um, Shades is trying to tell him to wait, to not not do what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. He whips out two automatic uh, pistols, and he shoots up the barbershop, killing Pops. And uh, we and Chico gets taken out uh, on a stretcher, and we end the episode where we began with Luke on the hilltop with this kind of would-be mugger. And Luke sees the councilman as she's carrying Chico's bag. So suddenly Luke knows there's a connection between Cottonmouth and the councilwoman a little bit more than just political stuff and the club. So uh, we can see that, that he's kind of um, you know, advancing that, that investigation. I was really interested in the fact that we're introduced to this to Pops and they killed him so quick, so soon in the series. Well, it was really interesting. Yeah, I hate the fact that they introduce a character, you start to grow and like him and love mm-hmm. him, and then they just take him out. But you know that's going to be some sort of moral compass for mm-hmm. Luke or whoever the uh, protagonist is. So I think Pops is going to be never-ending, mm-hmm. but those first two episodes are going to be the ones that lead and hopefully he'll come back. You know, I really want to see him in flashbacks or something. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Well, before we get to our oh, our, sorry. our top five, a lot of people should really take uh, notice that Alfred Woodard is the councilwoman, and mm-hmm. she's very well, <clears throat> very well renowned. Mm-hmm. And I really do appreciate her acting overall as yeah. an actress. You know, she's been in a ton of movies, ton of TV, and for her to be in this show shows a lot of you know yeah respect yeah you know? she's got a really good it's 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 believable her switching from kind of attitude to attitude because she you know in the same beat when she's when she's having that little press 
moment there where she's like meeting all the kids and go, oh, I remember when you were a baby and don't let this kid eat more than three hamburgers and da da da. Yeah, and yeah. then she like like switches like a switch real quick and she goes back to to kind of criminal mode like, what are you doing here? Why are you you know <laughs> why are you following me? And he's like, well, you need protection. And she's like, I got protection. And, uh, so I, I I really liked that she's able to shift between that uh, those moments and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. Uh, as the season progresses and seeing what this what this character does like you i'm I'm kind of there's an underlying definitely kind of big bad kind of uh yeah feeling to her so all right so we could get on to our top five sweet christmas yeah because it looks like we both have almost the same number five but go ahead with yours (laughs) (laughs) my number five would be the opening scene with misty and detective Raphael. how they are investigating the murder where the weapons exchange happened and to me, it's like, okay, we're segueing back into that. And they're showing Misty amidst the actual exchange itself. And her kind of like, it, it kind of took me out of boondock scenes at mm-hmm. some point where she was envisioning herself and witnessing and seeing what happened and how it happened. Side note, in film and TV for New York, they have these typical Greek style coffee cups. And it's a staple of New York, and they have mm. that in the actual episode. They actually do that amongst a, a lot of TV shows, and they buy them, they hoard them, because it's hard to find now, but it's kind of like a signature in movies and film uh, and TV. They've been doing that since, like, the 70s, I think. And my sister worked for a uh, a, a company where... It's like, yeah, we had to get all these cups, and they're hard to come by, and we had to buy them in mass because we're doing a film or we're doing a TV show. And, yeah, when she did scenic hmm. uh, design, but I, I found it funny, and it was pretty cool to see that, and I really appreciate that. But, you know, seeing uh, Misty and Raphael there within the scene trying to figure out what was going on, what went down. And and it shows okay yeah Misty is a cop <laughs> so we we know yeah it's it's very similar to what uh, what the the agent in in Punisher season one kind of does but instead Misty we kind of see it unfold in her in her mind um, and we see we see that last little exchange where where she realizes that this robber shot the other robber like it wasn't and and you see that that's that final scene where Dante shot. Uh, Shamik. Uh, no, other way around. Excuse me. Shamik shot Dante, yeah, mm-hmm. with the gun, and sh- and she sees that in her head, and then she goes, "I don't think Chico's got the stomach for it." And her partner's, "What do you mean?" She, well, because they found vomit at the scene. I think he actually doesn't have the stomach. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, so, they got DNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I, yeah, and that was right with my number five because Frank was just Frank Whaley himself. I didn't recognize him in the first episode. <laughs> And and so as soon as I heard him say um, the line "You're doing that thing again," I was like, "That's Frank Whaley." Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, uh, she's standing in front of the in front of the mor- the murder board, and uh, she's like doing what? And he says, "You're looking at the pictures like they're going to speak to you, or they're going to start moving around you." And she's like, "Well, that's exactly what they do." And and we had seen that in mind, so I really thought that was cool, and that they have that exchange, uh, that they're that close. It's kind of like Madani and her partner. In in Punisher, they have that that connection, um, but I hope he survives. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I I don't want the same fate to befall him that that befell Madani's well, I, partner. Actually, I don't either. Uh, I 
met Frank Welly at his house, and I had to do an installation for him for services that I do. Oh, nice. And, and uh, he wasn't very pleasant at the time. But, oh. <laughs> but I, honestly, I do appreciate his work. I I like him as an actor. Uh, maybe it was a one-off and he was very frustrated, but you know, Frank, if you're out there and you do listen to this, I do appreciate you. I do like what you do. I do believe you're a good person. Thank you. And, uh, hopefully if I meet you again, we'll, we'll be on better terms. <laughs> nice. nice. So what was your number four? Um, uh, my number four. Oh, wow. Pop and Luke's relationship. You could tell that they they're really close. Pop loves Luke and wants the best for him and to be happy. And he constantly <laughs> brings up Reva uh, about you know it's like he the way he pops mentions it almost as if pops was Reva's father, mm-hmm. but we don't know that for, for sure. You know he doesn't bring that up. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. They had a couple of conversations, and I know there's there's one. He definitely had some sort of familiar, maybe not family, but definitely had a, a, a father type relationship with Reva because he says to to uh, Luke at one point he did say she brings home this guy, this ex convict who's now a fugitive or something, with her. And so you, I, I kind of got the impression that like she married Luke without maybe telling anybody, or or she was with Luke without really um, even telling anybody. But that conversation between uh, them is is really great, and I have some quotes down uh, below about it. But uh, uh, there's some some little sprinkled Easter eggs in there that I thought was really cool uh, during that conversation. Pop says when uh, Luke says something about the things I've done, and Pop says, oh, "I thought you were innocent, Shawshank." Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, referencing Shawshank Redemption, uh, I and I yeah, I, I love that. I love that reference. And and then of course Luke's reply is is one of my quotes that I have, which is, "I may be not guilty, but I'm not innocent." Uh, I really like that. Uh, and they they talk a lot about that life about innocence and guilt and the the power man stuff I, I thought was really really cool yeah and what was your number four um that was my number four right there that that conversation that they that they oh, had okay, in that same kind of uh kind of vein so um that would go to my number three yeah, it looks like we got very similar points this time but yeah, go ahead very similar but yeah luke's feelings about what he did for uh genghis connie <laughs> at the restaurant <laughs> You know, he he just felt very uh, determined at that time, you know, and he felt good about himself about doing it. Yeah, and that leads right into my, what my number three is, because it's the same thing, that, that what he felt, that, that feeling of peace he had after he did what he did at the, at the restaurant really reminded me of, of that uh, the movie Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, where at the end, when he finally uh, accepts what he is, and he saves those kids from, from that guy, and um, so I really like that thought, that idea of the hero who doesn't really want to do or use his powers but realizes that he has to he's got to do something he can't just stand by and watch these things happen and i think that's what we get when he talks uh especially with the the whole um beginning and ending scene where he talks about uh christmas addicts and talks about the fact that the christmas addicts didn't back down from the british and uh, so i thought that was really cool yeah definitely so that would bring me to my number two. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Pop's relationship with Cottonmouth. The, the history of Pop's and what happened to him and why he was in prison. Um, basically, he was part of a gang and they, uh, they did a, a deed and uh, he took the fall and he did some time. And he kind of lost a lot, including his uh, woman and everything else. And very good. Yeah, it was like it was a, a nice history into why Pops is doing what he's doing for Luke because he knows Luke is a really good person, and Pops mm-hmm. struggled because he was involved with that, and he turned himself around, and he knows deep down that Luke is really a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, again, that's that's all part of that same conversation. It's just really a really good. It's one of those those few things that that uh, shows not all shows can do it well. Written just a, a dialogue like that, you know, the Aaron Sorkin walk and talk kind of thing. This was uh, kind of the the Luke Cage sit and talk um, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Uh, yeah. But I thought it was really was really good. There was a that whole that whole conversation was just really deep. A um, lot of stuff in there. Um, and I thought my number two was uh, that that uh, scene at the end when Tone starts shooting up the barber shop and Luke protects the kid uh, that's in the barber chair. He doesn't try to protect Chico or Pops. Uh, he goes, and I wondered why that was. Uh, you know, he tells the detective that just instinct kicked in. Um, but uh, what do you think? Do you think there's any any particular reason why? Just because the, maybe the kid represented innocence, and you know he knew that Chico didn't deserve this, but he knew that Chico kind of brought this on himself. He knew that Pops can kind of take care of himself, so maybe that was why he he specifically targeted to jump on the kid. Uh, I, I think it had to do for the fact that it was a kid. Okay, and it, it, the kid was innocent, and you mm-hmm. know I don't think the kid had a bad bone in his body, but you know the first instinct would be to protect the kid, and then because he was closest to the kid, I I think uh, yeah. in that scene, and then uh, you know he probably oh I see in proximity yeah not closest like 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 okay yeah in proximity he was closer to the kid that makes sense yeah and and the fact that you know it's like oh damn pops. Which leads mm-hmm. to my number one. Why? What the hell? Why pops? I liked pops. What the hell? <laughs> That's just crazy. Why would you kill a character that obviously is is gonna be a beloved character that early into you? You would think this would be more of an action that would take place like around episode like eight or nine. You know, later in the series to kind of give. But I guess maybe part of it is is to give Luke the the motivation to to keep moving forward, like he does say. You know, like Pops tells him, "Go keep moving forward." You know, and and so maybe that's part of the reason why the writers decided to go that route with it. Maybe they just wanted to get because now, I mean, Luke has nothing now. The barber shop's destroyed. His he doesn't have his job at the club anymore. What's he gonna do? You know, and uh, so that's another thing. They've put him now in a position where. He's gonna have to do something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I uh, really like that. And uh, um, I, uh, my last one, my number one is just real simple. Just another one that I, I knew. I just kept waiting for Cottonmouth to kill Tone. I just kept waiting for it. I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting. I said, okay, no. Eventually, the conversation is gonna get to the point with Pops because you could tell that 
just from what we had seen in these first two episodes that there was a relationship between Cottonmouth and Pops. We had heard Pops talk about it. We'd seen – we knew the respect, the level of respect that, Cotton, that Cottonmouth had for him. The fact that he was going to be willing to go to the barbershop the next day to meet with Pops, to meet with uh, Chico. You know, he this respect that he had for Pops, that, that Switzerland kind of thing he kept saying about his – his barber shop, and so I, I just kept waiting. I kept waiting. Okay, I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it was uh, it was pretty dramatic when it did uh, it did happen. And picking it up, and I, and I liked how it was. Uh, that's where it leads me to that that line from Turk, where Turk kept wanting his money, and uh, Cottonmouth throws Tone off the building and says, "Well, you go get your money from from him down on the street." Um, wow. You know, <laughs> and uh, and Turk. That's when Turk makes his comment about, "I'm going back to Hell's Kitchen." It's <laughs> um, you know I. I liked it. You know, there's other comments. I like that character. I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, where he pops up throughout. Because I think I, I did. I kind of looked at his IMDb page, and he does pop up in other um, uh, Netflix shows. So it's going to be interesting to see how that character uh, interacts throughout this this universe. Oh, he um, does. Yeah. And if it comes, up, he says something. He makes a joke about no door. There's no door that's been built that could keep Turk out or something like that. So I thought that was <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, I had a couple of quotes that I really liked. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I'd already mentioned the one uh, where uh, Luke says, "I ain't guilty, but I ain't innocent either." And uh, uh, of course, during that, all during that conversation, uh, Pop says, "Boys run, men stand." I, I really liked that. Was another one of those. I liked that that we've seen a theme kind of emerge in this this maturity immaturity kind of thing. That that's that's the second time we've heard a line. We've heard Luke say a line about. Uh, dumb men like little girls, and now we hear boys run, men stand. I, I, I'm going to be looking for that throughout the series to see if they keep that kind of theme up, if we see more of those kind of thing. Uh, and, of course, Cottonmouth tries to, to fire Luke, but he says, I quit before I walked in. Mm-hmm. And uh, then at the end, when uh, Cottonmouth is talking to Shades, uh, he says, believe it or not, there's supposed to be rules to this shit um, yeah <laughs> you know and i again I, I thought that was really that's one of those things that that the movies and tv shows kind of play up and i wonder how if it if it is real in real life that there's that kind of code among uh you know mobs or, or criminal organizations i wonder if they have a kind of a code like that where there's certain places like pops that are off limits uh, in or Things like that, because you know, there's other TV shows where we see the similar similar things happen. Somebody breaks ranks and goes and robs a store they're not supposed to rob, or kills somebody they're not supposed to kill. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting that, that they're bringing that theme again, that theme in, and that was just a kind of a cool line to say. Believe it or not, there's supposed to be rules to this. I, I thought it was nice. Uh, yeah, and my memorable quotes were uh, Cottonmouth when he was getting his uh, straight razor shave from Pop, saying, a good razor shave is like a vacation to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, that, it's kind of weird. But then they start going into a little bit more of a dialogue yeah. about, you know, that kind of thing. And, and it shows more of a traditional barbershop to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. I appreciate because I grew up with that. My father used to get us buzz cuts at an old Italian barbershop <laughs> in Staten Island by a pool hole. Uh, nice. Yeah, so it just brought me back. And then uh, Luke 
stating to uh, Cottonmouth going, unless your name is Corleone, Shaft, or Riley, you owe my man $25. I love that line. I really wanted to put that line in, but I was so I, – I was tired when I was I was done watching episode two, and I didn't feel like running it back to hear it again uh, because, you know, they had that whole conversation in the first episode about Al Pacino um, – uh, gosh, it's going to kill me now. Al Pacino um, – Pat Riley and uh, uh, the guy that played Shaft and uh, those guys don't have to pay if they ever do come into this store or whatever. Uh, I thought that was kind of and they're like, why is Pat Riley on there? And they get this whole long diatribe about how Pat Riley, it was tough basketball when he was a coach and and all that. And I thought that was and they talk about Al Pacino playing uh, the Godfather and playing Scarface. And, and so I thought that was, all that was really cool to hear those movie references in there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my last part would be, uh, detective, uh, detective Raphael, uh, <laughs> Frank Welly going, you better shoot like Cheryl Miller and not like Barney Miller. <laughs> and then Misty turning back to him going, sometimes I forget how old you are. <laughs> I, again, that was another one that I loved. I loved when she points to the, the MK on the, the, the court and it's got MK 96 on there. Yeah. And she's like, this was my court too, or something like that. Uh, I thought that was a really, really cool. And that whole, that again, that's, that's one of those scenes where I wonder if, uh, if there was more to that scene that they had to cut, you know, cause we never do actually see how that game ends, how that game of horse ends. We just see them shooting and, and we just see her matching him shot for shot. So, yeah. But it was still cool nonetheless, though, to watch yeah. that. <laughs> um, uh, do you have any other information from the episode? or um, Just just a couple of things. I, I think I've already really talked about it. Uh, the only thing I haven't mentioned is that I liked – I kept thinking and, and waiting and waiting. Again, it was one of those things I was waiting for somebody to bring up the fact that, that uh, he had – that Luke had bullet holes in his shirt, but yet he wasn't shot. And uh, so I, I like that that Misty mentioned that she noticed it. She's like, how did Luke not get shot? He shielded the boy and he had bullet holes in his shirt, but yet he wasn't shot. So I really I really like that she's starting to put together. There's something different about this guy. There's something going on here that we don't know about because she she can tell again because she's an investigator. She can tell by the, sh- the, the shot patterns and the blood spatter that. Luke should be dead. He should have been hit by at least, you know, 10 or 30 bullets or whatever. Exactly. She could probably see, you know, like, like you, you said, she could probably see it in her mind's eye, see him standing outside firing his, his uh, guns into the barbershop and see where the, the chair is and where the boy probably said he was sitting and she can figure all that out and go, there's no way he could have gotten out of that with unscathed. So I really like that. Did you have anything else that we haven't talked about? Uh, pretty much all I said before, pretty much bought, Pop's devotion to the neighborhood and the kids. Uh, not just because of Riva, too, because Riva apparently is predominant in Pop's life. So mm. we still need to see what the reason why he brought Luke in and why he cares for Luke. He mentions how, you know, Riva brings in you and you're, you're a con and you turn yourself around and mm. all this other nonsense. And we don't know that story. So all we know is the, uh, the story of Reva from Jessica Jones in mm-hmm. the sense that Jessica killed her and uh, you know Luke was involved with her. And then we find out in this series that Luke was a con mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then he was involved with Reva, and then yeah. apparently she, you know, he was brought into her world, and Pops was part of that world. Yeah, and and they haven't made clear. Maybe it's something that they'll describe. They'll they'll give us throughout the rest of the season. Um, because, like I said, there's that scene at the beginning where he's looking at the books, and we see her giving him books. And so it makes you wonder if, if they either met before prison, because she's kind of given him tips on how to stay sane, how to keep, how to kind of keep to himself, and not not let the time get to him. But I, I find myself wondering if that happened before prison, or like maybe while they were in prison, maybe she was like a volunteer or something. That or maybe, a nurse or something. Yeah, or a nurse, or yeah, or they met somehow. Well, she was a reporter, wasn't she? Because she was trying to do a story on the the Kilgrave experiments. True. Yeah. So, so maybe she was a reporter and she had interacted with him because I don't know. I, I, I'm looking forward to see what uh, if we're going to get any more of that. Uh, throughout the the series so yeah well like i said this is a second viewing and i haven't watched this in so long so yeah it's like a rewatch and just a new viewing again because Mm -hmm. we see so much on tv that we kind of like wash out everything and then we go back and we watch again and Mm -hmm. now it's a new take of rewatching, remembering certain things and then looking at things a little bit more deeply yeah, you, you on this in this case is watching it for the first time. So. Right, right. Well, and, and but I I know what you're talking. I know how you're feeling because I like I remember uh, now this rewatch of Lost. It's probably been, gosh, it's probably been six years, five or six years since I did a full rewatch of Lost, and maybe even longer than that, maybe closer to seven years since I did a full rewatch of of Lost, mm-hmm. and. I remember I was so disappointed with the ending um, that uh, that I, I, I took several years before I was able, ever able to watch it again. But one of the things a friend of mine mentioned when Lost was still on mm-hmm. was he said, you know, when you – because I would go back and rewatch all of it before the new season started. So you suddenly had watched like the fir- – I'd watched like the first season like four times by the time it got to the fifth season. Oh, okay. And and or like I think it's three times. Uh, it was when I was on my like third rewatch of the first season. And uh, a friend of mine said, "Well, just don't start at the third. Start at like the third season or the fourth season. Don't watch. Don't rewatch all of them because you've already rewatched all those other ones. You need to rewatch the most recent one." I was like, oh, "That makes sense." So I started. I would go back and just rewatch the last, the most recent season. That's what I've been doing with The Walking Dead. Is I'll go back and just rewatch the last season, not rewatch the whole entire thing, because then you're not trying to. So it's it's it, so that's one of those things that that the Netflix shows really don't you don't have that opportunity because of the way they release them. Since they release them all at once, you can binge them all in one week or two weeks, say, and then suddenly six months go by and you've got no clue. the The second season is starting and you've got no clue what happened because you rushed through watching the first season so quickly so then you got to go back and try to binge watch the first season and then you got the whole of the second season and uh, it's an interesting it's a it's an interesting model for tv viewing on what's what's going to come up uh well i, I yeah. do the same thing with orange is the new black because i can't even remember the last season and now the new season's coming up yeah and i'm like oh my god it's like what happened last season i had to do a retake of just watching the last two or three episodes and be like, oh, okay, that's where it left off. Yeah, the, the last thing I remember is the episode where the Russian woman got pushed out of the ambulance. Is that yeah. season three? 
season three or season four, something like that, or two. We're on season six now. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm going to have to go back and rewatch, like, like rewatch the very end. I'm not going to go all the way back to season one. I don't want to see the the what's the name of her husband. Yeah. Just I don't want to see his stuff again. I don't care for that guy. Um, and uh, sorry if he listens. Um, so I may start at like season three and just and just pick up the story at season three and then and then try to watch it uh, to get caught up again. But I, I don't know. I just got to I got to find time. Well, There's yeah. just it's weird because like you know where we were saying you know netflix is kind of different where you could actually binge watch all these things with no mm-hmm. problem yeah so if you have a netflix account you could go back seasons you could watch it and mm-hmm. but then you're losing track of everything that you're on on regular prime time right <laughs> you, exactly you, and then you gotta go exactly. oh darn it's like i missed legion hold on yeah i gotta go do this yeah so, and then i there's yeah. only so much you know, so many days out of the week and hours ahead of the day that yeah. you can actually watch this. Legion thing. was good. Legion was was really good. That last that last episode of, of Legion was I, pretty. I, honestly, I still have to watch this season. Oh I yeah, it's a, good. A full rewatch of the first season and then watch Legion. I'm just grateful that you know Walking Dead is not on right now. Yeah. So yeah. I could actually try to keep up on like. Devote yeah. one well, solid like half a day to watch something and then just I, you know I hated the only thing I hated about Legion was I had literally like days like three or four days before Hulu picked it up mm-hmm. picked up season one I had purchased on Amazon Prime all of season one Aww. so I paid like the whatever twenty dollars or whatever it was to have. Uh, Legion season one because I wanted to rewatch it and I hadn't had a chance to binge it when suddenly it's on Hulu and I'm like what the oh I just ah. wasted twenty bucks you know <laughs> so so anyway but that's all right because because now the, I think both seasons should be on Hulu and uh, you can watch them but they're it's so good it really it really was a good this season uh, I finally I haven't finished Westworld yet I've got two episodes left oh really West. um yeah I just haven't found the time in. Uh, it, it, I hate saying it. I have to rewatch the last three episodes, even though I've watched them already. Yeah. And it's it's like, I don't know. It's like, you know how Austin Powers goes, oh, da, 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 and I've gone cross-eyed. That's yeah. how I felt at the very end. But uh, it, it kind of like I have an idea of what's going on. And yeah. That's from the history of the actual Westworld series in general, from the two mm-hmm. movies, you got Westworld, you got Future World. Right. And then you had uh, a pilot of actual Westworld in the late 70s, early 80s. Hmm. And I've watched that. So okay. I knew where they were going with this in some way, but I'm like, oh my God, there's so much around about, but you don't know who's who or what's what. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've got to do that, but uh, let's see. Uh, what what do we got in the news? I see nothing else. Uh... Uh, in the news? Uh, wow. Uh, all right, I just read this. Uh, for comic news, uh, Robert Kirkman and Scott M. Gimple has a new comic out, and it just came out yesterday called Die, Die, Die. Yeah, I was at my local comic book shop. I saw the announcement, and uh, it was not on the shelf. So I'm not sure if oh, it just have, sold out that no, quickly or what. But uh, it depends on. Uh, I I go to Cave Comics in uh, Newtown, Connecticut, mm-hmm. uh, to pick up my comics. Uh, it's near where I work, so I I stop off 
I'll yeah. you know, it, I'll take the 25 minute ride to get to the comic book store if after work to pick them up. But mm-hmm. uh, the I I didn't ask for it, but right away Pat and Steve and the rest of the guys like. Put this in oh, because they know, yeah, because they know you <laughs> like that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I just like I said, I went, I looked for it and I didn't see it, so I may have to look for it the next time I go in. It'd be a couple weeks before I'm able to get back in there. If but... you want a copy, let me know because I bought three copies. Oh, okay. Well, I've got I've got a whole stack of comics right now. I'm going to try to to catch up a little bit, but uh, I'm going. Yeah, next week it's I'm going to be out all week. So uh, what I could tell you because I actually read it just before the podcast. Hmm? Uh, it's actually kind of like government based where uh things happen and people do things for government ways and it's the extremist ways to get things done hmm. it, it kind of like contract hits or right. uh it's kind of strange and, hmm. and the, the yeah. people that are involved with it it's kind of gruesome it's kind of bloody right. and it's yeah, not, I saw. It's, yeah. it's not like a oblivion song where it's an apocalyptic future or, or anything like that or Walking Dead, where it's a zombie apocalypse, but it's kind of more uh, character-driven and hmm. uh, more uh, pretty much espionage in my way, uh, hmm. and what my thinking of it. So from what I got out of it, I I really I liked it. Uh, I'll pick up the second copy, uh, the second issue when it comes out. But I, I thought it was interesting. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, the next thing uh, we have up is uh, Steve Ditko had passed away. Now, Steve Ditko with Stan Lee <clears throat> created Spider-Man. And Steve Ditko created uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, wow. So, nice. uh, you know, with those two. And Steve was kind of like the uh, quiet kind of person, just did what he did and, you know... And towards the end of his life, he was trying to get uh, all the credit for what he did. Mm. Uh, There was a battle between him and Stan over the years. Uh, They came to some sort of conclusion. And but, you know, Steve just does the work as what he does and uh, just wants credit and get paid for it. And, uh, you know, he he really didn't pride himself like running around saying, oh, I did this. Oh, I did this. Mm But, uh, you know, Steve was the one that, if you look at the first issue of Spider-Man, made Peter Parker a lanky kind of kid. And being men, mind you, uh, they had a previous artist that uh, did Spider-Man, and he, they were trying to make him more hulking, uh, hmm. kind of like a big superhero-ish. And then Steve Ditko was the one saying, oh, we'll just make him like a kid. And not have all these muscles. And, and, you know, he paved a way for a lot of characters within the Marvel Universe. Very uh, cool. He passed away on June 29th, but it wasn't announced until July 8th, hmm. which is very odd because uh, I didn't get that until that day. And I was like, oh, my God, he passed away. And, you know, a lot of his stuff is worth a ton of money. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. You know, it's like y- you could go somewhere and, you know, they have them in museums now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, one other thing, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out. I have not watched it, but Steve, you have. And do you have any sort of review? you could give? Yeah. Non-spoilerish, non-spoilerish. Um, I really loved it. I will, uh, I will say that much. Um, 
it was just as funny or and I haven't watched this the, the first one in a while but it was better as far as I'm concerned it was better than the first um like it was that. really really good um Michael Peña is really funny in it <laughs> he has some really great lines has some great scenes they they do a lot of stuff with with him and there's uh two other guys that are kind of with him that uh, they have some really great stuff in there um the intro of ghost is is fascinating i like this character i think that's what she's called is yeah. ghost uh, i don't know if we're going to get to i hope we get to see more of her in in the future um so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they use that character i don't know if that's a character from the comics or not but uh, how they use that character in the MCU, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. And she has a really cool backstory that they give us a lot of information about in Ant Man and the Wasp. That would be a fascinating movie in itself. But it it might be too familiar to other movies that have been done that they might not do that origin story. So all right, cool. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to go see that this weekend. That that's part of my goal for this weekend to do something and have fun. Uh, I I really did enjoy the first Ant Man, incredibly. I loved it, and uh, I was just like you said. Uh, I was told by other people, dude, this is awesome. You got to go see it. So uh, I'm gonna definitely go see it. I hope my mom comes with me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so how do people? Get in touch with us. How do they submit their feedback? Well, if you want to submit your theories or your feedback, uh, the best place to do that is to go to our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash panels to pixels. Uh, two is spelled out, T-O. And uh, you can also email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com. That's, again, that's the T-O spelled out and the number one, uh, panels to pixels one at gmail.com. So uh, there are other means of hearing us. Uh, you can actually hear me. I'm a co-host on the Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. Uh, right now, obviously, The Walking Dead is on hiatus, and so is uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. So, but please commit, uh, you know, commit and submit more feedback to uh, the Walking Dead Talk Through if you have any ideas, because there's a lot going on in the Walking Dead universe. We all know this. Uh, apparently, Andrew Lincoln is leaving. Uh, Lauren Cohan possibly leaving. We don't know. Everything is up in the air, and everything is all speculation. But uh, from what I've been seeing on social media, being via YouTube or um, other podcasts, uh, sightings of Mr. Andrew Lincoln <laughs> in Connecticut and in New York City, uh, you know, there's so many things going on. Uh, please submit your feedback to uh, The Walking Dead Talk Through on our Facebook page or go to Golden Spiral Media. Uh, contact me or Brian Malosh and uh, we'll go with it. Uh, we'll be picking up uh, with Fear of the Walking Dead with Kyle as well and Brian. Uh, I believe it's August the 12th 12th yeah august 12th so uh you know you'll pick up and we'll be on there i'm gonna try to be on there um there's a limit to how many hosts you could actually have on on golden spiral media but uh here we don't care so <laughs> we could have more if we want so uh but regardless uh i'll try to be on there as much as i can if not submit my own feedback as well 
So, and Steve, you could be heard at. I you can hear me right here on panels to pixels every week. Uh, we are we review the Mar- the Marvel Netflix universe shows Netflix Marvel universe show, NMU I don't know what we're gonna call it Netflix Marvel universe shows and uh, really having a good time. I hope everybody enjoyed our Punisher reviews. I hope you enjoyed Jessica Jones season one and now as we begin Luke Cage uh, season one. I'm excited. Uh, to see where we go uh, from here. I do submit uh, feedback to other various podcasts um, that are on the podcasting network and on Next Level uh, Radio as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Good night.